rumor, a currently circulating story or report of uncertain or questionable truth. This is Rumors of Grace, where I talk to people rumored to have found beauty and truth in broken and uncommon places. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Rumors of Grace, and it's a new year. I've been taking a break, and I'm excited about this new year for many, many reasons. Yeah, 2020 was something, and we'll talk a little bit about that with my guest today. But I'm excited today that we have Megan Colleen Johnson, Megan Johnson. She also goes by the name of Megs Colleen. She's a life coach. She's a creative consultant, and she's a speaker. She's done a lot of different things in her young life, but she is a trained life coach with Beautiful You Coaching Academy. She holds a degree in graphic design. She hosts her own podcast called The Reclamation Podcast, and it's got over eight years of experience in creative marketing. And and it's kind of funny. I kind of ran across Megan through a website that I use for looking for podcast guests So we connected there and come to find out she actually spent some time here in Nashville and we know a lot of the same people. So it's a small world. Megan, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's, I'm just excited about our conversation and it is so funny that the world is is much smaller than we think, even though we met through a completely, you know, separate podcast website, managed to, to connect Anyway, so yeah, fun. it's great. It's great. I'm, I'm just impressed that one of your clients was Stephen Pressfield, who's one of my favorite authors. So we'll have to probably talk about that another time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's. I mean, similarly with clients, it's funny how sometimes you can get to connected with people in the most random ways, which is fun. Yeah. So let's just jump right in, if you don't mind. I think maybe normally how I talk to guests on the podcast, and my listeners are probably used to hearing, as I always go, well, tell me about Megan Johnson. What's your background? How'd you grow up? But I think we're going to go in it the opposite way and really talk about this whole idea of life coaching, how you got in it, and we'll kind of backtrack to your own story in a little bit. So before we do, I want to just be completely honest with you, Megan, you know, I think so many of us hear that term life coach. We hear, you know, everybody, well, I didn't, I wasn't good at this business and I didn't do that. And sometimes the term life coach can be code for, well, I'm in between jobs or, you know, Mm. it's just such a thrown around thing. And when I came across your info, read a little bit of your work, listened to some of your podcasts, you're definitely the real deal. So I'm excited about that. But but talk to me about this whole industry of, of life coach. And why do you think, first of all, why do you think it's so popular that people are needing life coaches? And why do you think life coaching gets such a bad rap? That is such a good question. And I appreciate that you like brought this into the room because I feel like it can be something where people are like, oh, I want to try to like see if I like life coaches, but also there's a lot of baggage already, I think, with the word because of the field is, it's not regulated. And so that makes it really difficult because anybody can call themselves a life coach, even if they don't have any training. And a lot of people do, which I think is, it's both a beautiful thing about it and it can be kind of sticky. So 
So but how did you get, how did you become, go from, you know, marketing graphics? I've seen your work. I, I've seen your clients. You're the real deal. You do great work. You're the kind of person that in my own work business, I would probably want to hire and consult with. How did you go from that to your, you know, your training, which was in graphic design to being a life coach? What was that transition? Yeah. So it was really just I had found myself at a place with marketing and design where it it had really burnt me down so much. And you and I had previously chatted a little bit about this, where I found myself in a business partnership that had kind of gone south and my health was really in a bad place. My mental health was in a really bad place. And I'd worked with counselors before and therapists before, but felt like I I needed something different. And the term life coaching came into my life. And I was like, I don't know what this is. And so I did some online searching and I feel like it was a kind of a, I don't know, a serendipitous moment when I connected with my own life coach. And she's now been my coach for the past three years or so. But as I worked with her, she helped me to just break through so many mindset blocks. She helped me become aware of so many things, learning how to communicate a little bit differently, learning how to connect with myself and really put what I want out into the world and recognize that it's okay to do that, that it's okay to really stand up for myself, that it's okay to set boundaries and really just run after my goals. But there was a lot of like unearthing that had to happen first. So for me, as I went through that process, it was just really beautiful to also kind of come to the root of why I did what I do as far as my own businesses. So previously I I've done wedding photography. That's what I started with. And then I studied graphic design and focused on that kind of leaned more into some of the marketing aspects, but the through line of a lot of that for me was just helping people, helping people do what they do best. Mm. And especially at that point in time, I had such a sticky relationship with marketing where the, the partnership that I had been in had felt really manipulative and I've had a lot of manipulation throughout my life. And so when I was working with my life coach, peeling back those layers of manipulation and trying to hear my own voice again, I think for me, it was just this realization that I actually don't agree with most marketing tactics out there. So what does it look like for me to pursue a career that does feel really aligned? And that's kind of when I started studying life coaching and moving into that. And I've since like really healed my relationship with marketing in a sense. There's still so many, like, I think anybody can agree. There's so many sleazy marketing tactics out there in the same way that every field has its stuff, right? Just like life coaching has its stuff attached to it, its baggage. Every field has that. So that's why now I kind of do a mesh of life coaching and creative consulting, because Mm -hmm. I still want to integrate some of those pieces. And it's something that I'm really skilled at and have a, you know, many years of experience in now but also that life coaching piece. And what was beautiful about finding life coaching for me was I actually realized that with my life coaching studies, it allowed me to connect with my clients at such a deeper level. Mm. So even when I work with clients still in consulting roles, I'm actually able to hear them at a much deeper level because of my life coaching skill set now. But yeah, that's kind of a little bit of that story answering that question. That's really good. You know, one of the themes of what you do 
is reclamation. And it's Mm -hmm. one of the things that drew me to wanting to interview you because so much of life coaching, business coaching, these other things, and I have colleagues and friends that, that have business coaches, that have life coaches. And so much of what I hear and what I see is, you know, how do I get to the next level? How do I better myself? How do I make go from $100,000 this year to 300000 How do I make everything run more efficiently? And what I hear from you and see and feel is that this idea of reclaiming spirituality, reclaiming goodness, reclaiming your own heart. Talk to me a little bit about that. What, what, where did that come from? I know there's a story behind it, but, but talk to me about what is the whole reclamation theme born out of? Yeah, absolutely. So it's really this word that kept coming up for me through my journey. So when I was working with my coach, so much of that work was remembering that I'm not broken Mm. and remembering that I'm whole and remembering that I'm enough. And I had to reclaim those words for myself over and over and over. And I still do. There's so many layers. And again, that's almost where the marketing piece comes into it. The whole, so much of the world we live in tells us that we're not enough, tells us that you need this in order to be better. You need this in order to reach the next level. You need this, you know, there's always something else we need to achieve goodness, to achieve success, but really we're already whole. We're Mm -hmm. already good. And so much of that journey for me as well, it was that spiritual aspect of it. And that's what we, I know we have that in common where I had to process my, my own faith journey as well. And kind of the, the overused word of deconstruct, I feel like that's becoming overused, but I did, I had to deconstruct, but more so I had to reclaim myself to kind of peel back the layers that I had learned spiritually, all of the different messages and kind of go back and reconstruct a spirituality that felt right for me, Mm. that actually resonated with what I deeply know to be true. Yes. And that's what reclamation really has become for me. And really that's, I believe life coaching, true life coaching, I believe is all about reclamation Mm -hmm. Um, because as life coaches, we're, we're not supposed to place our perceptions and our opinions onto another person. That's why I use life coaching consultant because I really, business coaching is like a very sticky space where a coach is supposed to prompt with questions so you can find your own answers. And there are business coaches that do that, but for the most part, like it's more of a consulting role where you are offering advice. You are like helping to guide people to the next phase, but as a coach, it's helping people find what's right for them. Mm. It's helping people remember that they actually have it, what they already have, what they need. It's inside. And that can feel really weird. Like knowing like you already have the answers inside of you, but that's the whole reason why I think coaching is really beautiful because it helps people to remember how to do that how to say, this is what I want. Mm. This is what I need. This is who I'm all about. This is what I'm all about because we, it's, it can get so lost in all the messages that we're told. So that's just, a little bit about reclamation, but yeah. What were you yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, 
just just being able to say this is what I want and this is what mm -hmm. I need. That sounds so simple, but that can be the hardest thing for some people to say. And I can say, mm -hmm. I'm thinking it back on my own life and being able to say to say a loved one or a family member or a good friend, say, this is really what I need for my own well-being. Mm -hmm. This is really what I want. Why do you think it's so hard for us to say those things honestly from the heart? I mean, we can say, I want this, or I really need this car, or I really need this computer, or I really need whatever. But to really say, what does my heart need? What does my emotions mm -hmm. need? What is my, what am I feeling? And what do I really, what do I really want in this situation? Why do you think that's so hard? Oh, that's such a good question. I feel like. Because it isn't hard for everyone, right? No, not, not really. I think for a lot of people it is, but that's where I was just going to say, I feel like I can only speak from my own experience. Yes. And really I can only speak for myself when it comes to that question. Cause I why think was that hard does. for you? Yes. That's, I love that. <laughs> so for me saying, this is what I want was difficult because I was taught that I have to put other people first. Mm. So there was that level of caretaking for others and bypassing my own wants and desires and needs. So in order to like, I tried to pursue what I want, but it often got lost in having to put other people first. Mm. And I think there's something to be said, of course, of, of service and of giving, but I think it's even more powerful when you can give from a place of overflow and that's why we see so many people burning out in like nonprofits and such. There's so much giving without also receiving. And I just think that there's so many messages around that. And I know for me personally saying this is what I want was difficult because of those like programmed messages that I've been taught since I was a baby. Yeah. And then what I need was I think also separate, but interesting because Again, I think we're many of us are raised to bypass our own needs to again put other people first. Like I was really raised with the mentality of I was raised to be a people pleaser. That's what I was raised to do. I was raised to be codependent, but I didn't know it. I was raised to be codependent on a God outside of me. I was raised to be codependent on leaders outside of me. I was raised to be codependent and people like completely bypassing my needs to follow a set of rules. So for me, part of my reclamation journey was reclaiming those words and mm. recognizing as a human, I can say, I need this. And the other piece of this that I think is really beautiful is saying to another person, this is what I need and this is what I want it actually can, it results in a deeper sense of belonging instead of like a false sense of belonging that I think so many of us develop. There's, there's then an invitation that someone can say, I can meet you in that, or I actually can't meet you in that right now. And that's where like boundaries and all those pieces come into play, but it's, you're actually being vulnerable with someone and saying, this is what I need. And it, it's an invitation for right mm. relationship, which I just think is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. What, how does that, 
How does that play out practically? So for instance, someone comes to you, they're a client of yours, you're going through life coach consulting with them, you're leading through this process. And obviously without giving any names or, or client information, mm-hmm. what, what does that what does that look like? First of all, what did it look like for you? And then how do you guide other people on that? And, and what is, what's the ultimate outcome that you're seeing? Yeah. So using the structure that I use from my coaching Academy, I start out by setting goals with my clients. So that's where it, it fits into a, a structure that we're familiar with setting goals. And that's when it starts to, we, we dig a little bit deeper than a traditional understanding of a goal, asking, how do you want to feel? Mm. And I think that's the biggest part that we start with is when we're setting our goals, we don't just set any goal. It's how do you want to feel at the end of this series and slowly move our way towards that, sometimes including education pieces like talking about right relationship, like talking about boundaries, noticing the sticky spaces as you're moving towards that goal, as you're moving towards that feeling and emotion, as you're moving towards the state of being that you want. Mm. So I'm trying to think of a good way to practically. What I'm really wanting you to express is how this can change who you are as a person, your, your success, like you said, your goal, mm. meeting your goals, because I can, I can relate on so many levels. You know, I was also brought in, brought up in a, in a tradition and in an environment where I was taught to put others first, which is, it, it's a beautiful mm-hmm. sentiment. And I think it comes from a place of goodness. However, the way that you get there is you have to outsource your own morality yeah. because you're not good. Something else is good. And for some people mm-hmm. that could be the divinity is good and you're evil, you know, a book is good. And that's where you get your source of, 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 of morality from as long as you stay within our community of people that believe the same way, then you'll stay on the right track. But if you leave that, then you'll go down the wrong path. It's all this, like you can't trust yourself. And so therefore, when you enter into the business world, the work world, there's something that's you're always second guessing yourself. You can't really trust yourself. And so that's a, that conflict, I think, for some people, I think it can create a level of stress and anxiety. For some people, it can, it can really cause depression. For some people, it can cause, you know, just angry and, and unstable personalities because you're always mm-hmm. conflicted. You're always conflicted of, am I doing the right thing? Because I can't trust myself. Does that ring true at all? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, very much so. And that's where I think coaching work is interesting because everybody does come at that from a slightly different place on the journey. But at least in my experience and from my own coaching, I came from that very exact sentiment. Like, I did not trust myself. I trusted everything outside of me. And my coach was able to support me in remembering that I could trust myself, that I wasn't crazy for seeing the incongruencies. And I think that that's honestly, I think this is kind of what you were getting at is then when I work with people and I, what in coaching in general, what I think is so beautiful is it's this opportunity to have someone mirror your own goodness back to you. 
And then suddenly you remember, oh, I can trust this message to myself. Oh, like this is incongruent. This doesn't make sense. And my feelings about it were actually valid. And that's where then you start to slowly develop that trust muscle enough so you can pursue your goals. So you can pursue a life that you actually feel really good about. Mm. And that's, I think, oh, it's just, I feel like you can just like, the energy of that is just so life-giving to finally remember, oh, that's right. My my body's actually for me too. That's the other pieces. I feel like we can become so detached from our bodies and the sensations that our bodies have. And we're just like, you know, we, we move through our day and then we, and we get to a place where we're trusting ourselves. We can then be like, oh, okay. When I feel this way, when this sensation happens, it's communication. It's my whole system working together so that I can live a healthy life so that I can, you know, have a life that actually and just giving ourselves permission to have a life that feels good Mm. and remembering a life can feel good yeah that's good that's so good and one other thing i've i in the questions that i've that i've been going through my mind and preparing for this interview is how do you know what are the symptoms of needing to to enter into reclamation like you know someone says I, I've been thinking about going to a life coach, but I don't even know where to start. I think I'm doing pretty good, but I, I just, I've got these issues. How does someone know? And maybe a better way to say is what are the symptoms of needing to become one's own uh, reclaimer of their life and to enter into this reclamation mindset? Yeah. I love that question because I think you actually already answered it to a certain degree, which I think was really interesting is so much of it is that self-trust piece. Like if we feel when we feel like just like we're constantly outsourcing our our life, when we're outsourcing opinions, when we're outsourcing decision making, when we're outsourcing our our sense of morality, our, we're outsourcing, you know, there's, there's all these different aspects of our lives when we actually get to be in, to use a business term, we can actually become the CEO of our life. That's what we're here for. We're here to be the CEO of our life. It's ours. <laughs> and when we notice that other people are actually the CEO of our life, feel like that's one of the biggest symptoms to me of a need for reclamation if we want it. Mm. Um, And that's where we have to decide, do I want to continue outsourcing? Because sometimes if we're in a certain state, we may want to continue outsourcing. And ultimately we have to decide, yes, actually I'm going to take that power back so that I can create a life that I actually want. But it's all about like, I choose. I decide, I choose, I want. Yeah, I feel like I got a little distracted from the symptoms piece of that, but (laughs) I think the biggest symptom is really like when when we can recognize and notice that someone else is the CEO, whether it's the pastor, whether it's a friend, whether it's a, a partner, whether it's culture telling us everything that we have to do, which that, again, like that CEO could be many voices. It could be many products. And then we decide to, you know, one at a time, like take back our power from that product so we can cultivate what we want. You know, that process for many people, I can imagine, it can be very scary entering into that unknown. Oh, yeah. of, well, you meant you used a metaphor of 
your trust, self-trust muscles, like if they haven't been used, if you don't, if you don't know that you have muscles in your arm and you don't use your left arm for 20 years, and then all of a sudden someone says, you know, you can use both of your arms and it, they work, it works a lot better that way. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're going to struggle to lift it. It hurts to lift things, but eventually you'll, you'll build it back. What, what is, what have you seen with people entering into that? There's probably a mixture of emotions and feelings, but it can also produce ch- big changes in people's life that can be scary because it's easy to, you know, to live inside and have someone else or something else tell you mm-hmm. who you are, where your morality comes from, who to trust. And then all of a sudden you're like, you mean I can, I can trust myself and make good decisions. That can be scary. I can mm-hmm. imagine on some levels. Did yeah, totally. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And again, like kind of coming back to my story, because I feel like I want to speak from for myself and not necessarily everyone's experience is different, but I'm sure lots of people relate. I know for me, it was terrifying. It wasn't initially. And so I was just like, oh, like that makes so much sense. And just started implementing some things. And then the fear, like this, again, this is just my experience. Then the fear actually hit because I realized, oh, people don't like when I use my voice. Oh, like if I speak up for this thing, then the consequence, it, I, I didn't realize that I had become kind of comfortable in that people pleasing role. And then when you start to no longer be that person, everyone around you is like, wait a second, I can't speak to you this way anymore. Wait a second. Like, you're not just going to lie down if I want this thing from you. Like, you're not just going to say yes all the time anymore. Right. Like it, it, and this is just kind of like one one lens from my experience, but it resulted in a lot of, a lot of fear, a lot of loss of a sense of belonging that I had to then re- repair and I continue to repair a lot of, I, I know you and I had talked a little bit about grief. There was a lot of grief, grieving the old friendships, the old experiences, the old versions of myself that Mm. at one time served me. And I think that's the other piece of this whole process that is really beautiful and that's more spacious than I think a lot of, a lot of times from that we look at things is it's like all the versions of ourselves, we can thank them because they did serve us in some capacity. They did protect us a lot of times. We, we became something for a reason and we can, we can thank that version of ourselves and then kind of move forward, but it does, it's a muscle and it takes time. Mm. And at the same time, it doesn't have to be something that I love that I'm, I've been more recently seeking to reclaim for myself is that everything doesn't have to be hard. Mm-hmm. I think that's another message that we're fed is that everything is hard and you have to work really hard. And I think that's the other piece too, is Yes, things take time. Yes, sometimes it's hard, but it doesn't have to be. We can actually cultivate ease. We can allow things to be easier. We can have the grace and compassion. And that feels way more life-giving than some of like the past healing messages that I personally have been fed and business messages is like, what if this was easy? What if, what if I didn't make things hard for myself all the time? What if I did choose the easy route and it actually wasn't bad? (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. So that's really that's, good. That's some of that. And Cause we, we make it hard because we expect it to be hard. So we enter into hard spaces and hard situations versus yeah, that that's the muscle, right? The muscle is used to being mm-hmm. hard and difficult. And then when you enter into something that's light and easy, it can feel like you're in a new land, but that's where you do find yourself and you are able to mm-hmm. trust yourself. And that's really good. That's really beautiful. I, I really appreciate that. You know, I think so many people like myself, like you are, are walking this journey and, you know, growing in and unraveling some things and, and really discovering that they, they can trust themselves. Do you believe that every human being uh, needs to reclaim? Do you think, I know you're, you're not saying, you're actually saying the opposite, that, that we don't have, that we're not necessarily broken and, and we're incomplete and we can't trust ourselves. You're saying the opposite, but do you think every human being needs to walk through this process? Do you think we all, every human needs this? I love this question. It's a good question. I think that comes back to the earlier statements of like, I decide I choose, or you decide and you choose. And that's kind of the piece where I mention sovereign reclamation. So sovereign obviously is a word that can have a lot of connotations from the religious perspective, but really the way I look at sovereignty is it's that kind of CEO piece. It's that piece of remembering that I'm the hero of my own story. I decide, I choose, I have the power. It's kind of taking back that that title of, I get to be sovereign over my life and decide if I desire to reclaim or not. Mm. And I think this is just my, this is my personal perspective. Some of these pieces are, so I don't think that these are necessarily like universal truths, but what I personally believe is that not everyone alive on this planet right now is meant to reclaim in this lifetime. Hmm. I choose, I decide. You choose, you decide. I personally, I want to reclaim. I want to reinvent. I want to discover. I want to innovate. And that's what I personally am here to do. And I will continue to do so till the day I die. And I think that's part of my artist in me, the creative in me, like the problem solver in me. But not everyone is that. And that's okay. And I think that's part of the permission piece is if, if it resonates with some, and it may resonate, it may not resonate today, but it may resonate tomorrow for some people. And that's the journey aspect of it too. We're all on our own life path. And it's not my job to say, you need to reclaim your life. You choose, you decide. So that's my personal belief around that question. And I think it's a really great question to think on. So yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the practical application of it, right? It's, it's giving people the freedom to be who they are and to choose when they're ready to do that. And if that's not something they want to do, they are actually being sovereign over their own lives. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. I kind of want to shift a little bit slightly and just kind of go totally more to, it's along the same lines, but you know, I've, I've spoken with a lot of people on the podcast and we talk a lot about being willing and able, and I think it's a necessity to some degree 
for ourselves to see ourselves in other people so that we can have compassion and empathy. As we walk this road and we make change and we might evolve, we might be better people. I think there's a tendency, I know there is for me, and I've seen it in other people and talked to friends about it, maybe to have regret, maybe to have cynicism, maybe to even have anger and and walking through, depending on where you are in that grief process, to really process maybe why you had to reclaim in the first place, to, to, to reclaim, to take back what may have been taken from you or you perceive has been t- was taken from you. How important is it in the journey, in your opinion, to get to the point where you can see yourself uh, in the person who may still be there, may see yourself in the person who may be in the opposite end of the spectrum and just makes you so angry and upset. Mm-hmm. I think it's a vital journey of, of self-awareness to, to really have empathy and kindness and love. Uh, obviously there's boundaries. Obviously there's, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to put yourself in abuse, an abusive situation. However, I do think in order to connect those dots and be the person that I'm supposed to be, I find that when I can see myself and the others and I can understand how they got to where they are and I can understand what they may have been through because maybe I went through something similar. How Mm. important is that piece of it? Mm, That's a great question. I think everyone has to, I think it's important and it's a really beautiful piece of the journey. I think everyone has to decide when it's right for them to do that, go through that process. I feel like especially when it's, so using myself as an example again, I think there's a phase when it's actually okay, like it's so important and crucial. Like for me, it was really crucial for me to be okay to call out the negative aspects of my experience and the people. Absolutely. Because... I had been taught to have compassion and bypass the negative stuff. So I'd been taught to almost allow people to put me in bad situations. And so in order for my own healing, I personally had to be okay to say this person did this thing and it was harmful and it was wrong. I don't love to use like polarizing language, like good or bad or right or wrong, but to treat me in such a way was wrong. It was unbeneficial. It was harmful. And so I had to get to a place where I was okay saying that before I could then move to a place of, again, coming to a little bit more empathy. And I think that like what you said too, is it's so important to also then recognize you can have empathy and you can have understanding for someone's journey while still having boundaries. So is how important that is? Hmm. I feel like you can't have true healing without it. Mm. And also, I think when we come to a place of being able to see people as humans, it actually allows us to also reclaim and heal more of our presence. I'm trying to think of how I want to say this. When I could take a look at I'm just going to use like a, a specific person. So if there was a, spe- there was a specific person that I personally 
you know, had harmed me. And then I needed to also understand and see them as a person. Mm. When I, I was able to see some of their patterning and how it potentially came to be, again, just from my perception, I don't know for sure. But some of how that patterning may have occurred, it actually led me to the bigger picture, which was, oh, this person grew up in the church oh, this was taught in this way. Oh, like, you know, so then I could actually zoom out and see the bigger problem, which caused the smaller problem. And I think for me, that was really huge because it actually then allows me to recognize my own work in this world to be, oh, I'm helping these smaller problems, but they play a part in the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So I think it's crucial in the healing process but I think that there's kind of some different phases of that that have to play out. And I think it's also really important to, to recognize that often the small symptoms that we see and the harm that's caused to us, it's part of such a, a bigger, to use the word systemic, but it's a systemic problem <laughs> that we're just getting some of the pain points. Often. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. I do think it's a process and I do think that what I don't ever want to be, and, and and I think my intention is I don't want to be the person that's forever bashing a certain group of people of where I may have come in my journey. I don't, I think at some point mm. there's a process that I believe is necessary, like you said, is acknowledging it, calling it out. But then as Richard Rohr and other have others have said, you know, at some point you you transcend and you include that journey in your own journey and say, mm -hmm. I can transcend this, but I can also include it in everything that I am. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that journey. Yeah. And so being able to embrace it and then being able to turn around and have compassion for those that are on a similar journey, I think can be really healing, not only to ourselves, but to those people too, to know that you know, that they can find hope and healing and also that you haven't left them as people. You just left a way of being and doing things, but you still mm. embrace, you still embrace and love them as well. And so that kind of brings me to my next, my, one of my last questions is I found as you walk through similar journeys, and I'm sure you've seen it in yourself and with people you've coached, it's really hard for people who don't want to change or choose not to, or not to reclaim. When you do reclaim things for yourself and you grow, sometimes that's really difficult for the people mm -hmm. you've known in the past, friends, acquaintances. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you help people walk through that process in your coaching? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So I, what I'm hearing from you is there's, there's kind of two levels of that. It's like, how do you, in, in some situations, like with family, how do you maintain a relationship mm -hmm. exactly. with people when you have grown mm -hmm. and then it can be kind of lonely. Can, right. Are there other additional relationships out there? Sure. And I feel like with family, with friends who are in a different place, I think one of the hardest pieces is recognizing when sometimes a relationship is, is no longer, it's no longer working mm. and that's okay. I think, especially for young people, myself included, is there can be such a lens of like, you know, as kids, as teenagers, we, and, and like middle schoolers, we use terms like BFF, you know, like best friends forever. And you, there's this mindset of being friends forever and 
being in, in one of the, another's lives forever. And I think there's a, a beautiful actually release when we can recognize this person served a purpose and we were friends and we don't have to be forever. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And that I think in itself is a, is the healing process and a growth process to, mm-hmm. to recognize that that's okay. And that doesn't have to mean anything about you or the other person. But then you can also maintain relationships with people that are just in a different place. It just takes a little exploration. It takes a little bit of, yeah, I think the piece of that that I think is most important is you don't have to make yourself small again to fit into their box. I think that's just the the biggest piece. And that's why it's important to remember if it's not working, it's okay. And it doesn't have to mean anything about you or them. Hmm. It's just not working, but you don't have to put yourself because otherwise it's just reversing the process if you kind right. of recontain yourself into a box again it's good um because it for a personality like mine and for others it can be what can i do to make them like me again and to reestablish mm-hmm. that relationship and then you're going right back into what you've just grown out of again which is you know denying yourself and your own wants and needs and desires to get the approval of this other person which is why I got you there in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. It's the, it's like this, this caretaking kind of modality. And that's exactly what I think we see in our society so much too, is there's this level of, for some reason, we think it matters what other people think of us mm. when it, it doesn't have to mean anything about us. Everyone has their own lens and it's okay if people don't like you. And that's a really hard thing to like get through to is it's okay if people don't understand you. It's okay. You know, like we like to be liked and it's important to belonging is important. I think that's the other, the other piece of it is like, there are other people out there on the journey. It may just take a little while to develop those friendships and relationships. It may take reaching out to new communities. Speaking of like the church and the kind of the, the religious world, it can be really weird because that, that world is small. It feels really small anyways, at least from my experience is like somehow you can connect to other people. Even like you look at you and I somehow being connected, like there's, it can feel like small. And then when you step out of that, if that's what you choose to do, the rest of like, how do I meet people out in this other space? Are there other people that have gone through this? How do I like, you know, that can feel really scary and it takes time to kind of move through that. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah that's really yeah. good. It's really good. It's really helpful. Last thing before, before we kind of wind it up, can you give us a couple mm-hmm. of tips, maybe one or two things that someone's listening to this podcast and they're like, I really mm-hmm. love, I lo- really love Megan. I love what she's saying. I totally can relate to that. Where do I start? Obviously, we're going to give your contact info and where to find you here in a minute. But just real practically, for anyone, like what are the top one, maybe two things that you that you deal that you have your clients do? Maybe it's a practice. Maybe it's a I don't know. What do you have anything like that that you can share? I think the very first thing that comes to mind is writing down what do I want Mm. and what do I need. And just starting with that practice every day, even. And how do I feel? Like sitting down with a pen every morning and a piece of paper. How do I feel today? What do I need today? What do I want today? Mm. Beginning that dialogue with yourself and 
enter into that space without judgment. It's okay. Whatever you find is okay. Whatever you find is welcome. All of it's welcome. That's honestly the simplest piece that I would recommend. And like, there's, there's other things, like I think meditation can be so powerful and just starting to notice your thought processes. But I would start really just practically, it's, it's just so easy to sit down and write down, how do I feel? Begin noticing those emotions. What do I want? What do I need? Whether it's a walk, a glass of water, just hearing your own voice and allowing your voice to be okay developing that self-trust. Mm. Those are, I didn't, those are my first, those are my tips. Those that come are to great. Mind. I'm going to do that. I'm going to start that tomorrow morning. What do I want? What do <laughs> I need? What do I feel? That's great. And I, I, I would imagine that that practice, if you can make it a practice over time becomes very revealing and, and also freeing in some ways to be able to have an awareness a bodily awareness and emotional awareness, a heart awareness that, Quite honestly, for me, I just ignored and didn't even know was there. And then you wake up one day and, you know, you might have some physical issues. You might have some emotional issues. You might be in a lot of pain and you don't even realize it. And that's the sad thing for ourselves Mm -hmm. and for others. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for this time. It's been great. How can people get a hold of you, read your blog, maybe follow you on your social channels? What's your website? Totally. Yeah. So pretty much across the board, I you can find me at megscolleen.com. That's M-E-G-S-C-O-L-L-E-E-N.com. And then on social media, I'm at megscolleen basically everywhere. <laughs> Even trying some TikTok though. I, you would think that I'm young enough to figure out TikTok, but it's, it's like a struggle. I just have to be honest, but I am on TikTok as well. <laughs> And how, how do people, if they do want to engage and they're like, you know, I've been looking for a life coach. I, I like what Meg's saying. How do they engage with you there? Do they just reach out to you on your website? Yeah. So I'm, I'm most active on Instagram. And then you can also, there's a form on my website to actually book a free 30 minute call with me. So either of those, sometimes people before they reach out to book a free call they they like to just hop on an Instagram, kind of see my face, connect with me there. And I do audio messages on Instagram with people as well. So sometimes I can feel a little bit more approachable, but yes, there's a, a form on my website. So if someone's curious about coaching and wants to pursue that, that's available there. That's wonderful. And, and you uh, also have a, a podcast, I know, that, that you've been doing. Mm-hmm. Where, what's the name of that? Yeah, that's the Reclamation Podcast. So that's available kind of everywhere. I just do one episode per month. So I keep it pretty simple and streamlined. But I love, I do have wonderful guests that are on there and so many like just beautiful resources from other coaches and creatives and artists. Yeah. I, I always find that I learn so much when I have an interview with someone. So <laughs> That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, I learned a lot today. Thank you. I'm going to start tomorrow what I want, what I need, and how do I feel? So that's really there you helpful. go. Thank you. Megan. Yeah. All sure. right. Well, we will talk to you soon and uh, hopefully people will reach out and keep up the good work. Well, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.